every job is temporary, mm -hmm. that we're renting our jobs, if you will. And if you think of your career that way, you're really on the path to wisdom around your career. Troy friends, this is your host, Dr. Solomon. What is the future of promotability in the post-pandemic era? My special guest today is a wonderful professional colleague with extensive experience both in legal and financial sectors of business, not to mention that she also has experience in healthcare side of things, who will help us gain some insight to answer this tough question. She has been an executive coach and strategic advisor to many Fortune 500 leaders. She has been described by Forbes as, quote, one of the top coaches for legal and compliance executives. She's a member of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches. She has been a former Fortune Global 50 executives for almost 20 years. She is a regular contributor of Harvard Business Review. Amy Bernard Bunn, welcome on Thrive. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We have lots of great topics to chat about today, Amy. Let's start with your promotability index. Given that job roles, as you know, have been redefined during the pandemic time, I'm curious how could professionals taking on new roles benefit from using it? And what is the future really of promotability in the post-pandemic era? Great question. Well, I'll start a little bit with Promotability Index. So this is a free leadership tool that I launched in January of 2020 before any one of us knew what was going to be going on this past year. Um, we couldn't have predicted that. And it's a free self-assessment um, for professionals at, at all levels of your career. So no matter where you are, um, that want to keep growing and learning and getting ahead. And what I did really was decode promotions. I was a you know, Fortune Global executive at organizations like McKesson and Allianz for over 20 years in a variety of roles, including chief human resources officer and chief compliance officer, chief administrative officer. So I've hired, fired, built teams. You know, I really know why people get promoted. So I distilled it into five key elements mm -hmm. that anyone can, can learn and work on. Um, and the elements are what organizations look for when deciding who to promote or sponsor or invest in. Um, so it really distills everything I know um, from all of this work so that every my goal um, is for everyone to have access to getting ahead that, that does the work. It's 82 questions. Most people find it super fun. Um, and thousands of people have taken it now. It was, it was really popular. And to your question about the pandemic, so why I think it's important even more than I could have ever predicted mm -hmm. when I created it, because I didn't know. Um, I just thought it would be you know, a helpful gift to the universe, frankly in terms of stuff I wish I had known in my career as I ascended the ladder and then you know got onto boards and things. Um, I think of every job as that, that we're always in transition mm -hmm. and that every job is temporary, mm -hmm. that we're renting our jobs, if you will. And if you think of your career that way, you're really on the path to wisdom around your career. I was. I was reading um, from our, one of our colleagues, Alyssa Cohn recently interviewed, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna remember his name about a book. And he said that the latest research shows that the life expectancy for hard skills, um, you know, technical knowledge, the things that we learn you know, in graduate school and work very hard to get, that the mm -hmm. life expectancy is now only four to six years in terms of the lifespan for that. So what does that mean? 
Well, that means, you know, pandemic or not, where the velocity um, of, of knowledge is moving so fast that in, in my opinion, it's the things that are in the promotability index that are going to differentiate leaders because those are the, the life skills and the leadership skills, self-awareness, external awareness, strategic thinking, thought leadership and executive presence are the five elements. Those are the things that never age. Those are the things we can always get better at. Those are the things that, that, um, that transcend industries, that transcend our own knowledge base. And so um, that's, that's what I observed in organizations and, and I know, you know why I was able to succeed. And so I think that with the pandemic, employees and leaders really need to be agile mm -hmm. and they need to be strategic about their career and they really need to bring a learner mindset. And I think all of us have been, whether we want it or not, we've all, all been yeah. challenged over the past year, we've had to learn new skills. We've been forced into a change curve. Um, and so the benefit I think is that this is an easy tool to assess yourself against these elements and then decide, um, a friend of mine described it, that loves it, described it as a uh, choose your own adventure. I created it to be a very flexible tool so that you can pick what things you'd like to work on, what attracts you. I think you have to keep learning fun um, it, it should be something you choose. You have to be motivated, um, or it doesn't. It doesn't work. You know, someone can't tell you what to do. As, as we know, we, we that that's not fun. And so this was created to put people back in the driver's seat. I think that the pandemic, the anxiety around the pandemic has been that it's over so much that we don't control. Mm -hmm. And so this puts people's careers back in their own hands around what do they own, what what actions specifically can they take, so that they are in the driver's seat for their career. You mentioned that part of the assessment is about awareness and about leadership. And through your extensive experience working with leaders, you have seen different and colorful styles of leadership and yeah. underlying colorful. And I would be bold here to say that leadership awareness and ethical compliance could be abstract and hard to measure, difficult to implement, as you know, especially when the economy is rough or when the competition is fierce, what would be three practical steps that you would suggest to executives who don't buy into these quote soft concepts? Gosh, I leaders are so critical for for ethics, and ethics is to me is actually simple but not easy, mm -hmm. and it requires commitment. And the best leaders know this because they're in it for the long game. And any company that wants to be sustainable and um, keep its value promise to customers and communities and the employees that it serves takes it as a part of simply just good business. And so, and this has never been more important because in crisis, it can be very tempting to cut corners. Oh, There's of course. Huge, a huge pressure on all business models right now to have, to have a minimum viable product, get it to market, to pivot, right? To save jobs. And many of my clients that I coach are going through tremendous shifts and are having to make some very tough strategic choices that we work through together with their teams. Um, but you know, complying with laws and regulations and having a conscience about how your organization makes money is really what it's all about. So to me, the, the practical steps I would say to be are know how you how are you making your money? You know, who are your customers? Um, what's your supply chain? Who is making your products? And and what is your impact? Really ethics is about av avoiding unnecessary harm mm -hmm. to, to people and communities and, and customers, whether it's pollution, 
or bribery or being dishonest, right? Um, and so to me, it would be, you know, do you know, do you really know? Staying curious um, and, and knowing those things, that's where companies get into trouble is where they're just like, oh, I don't need to know about that you know, and then they find out it was child labor that was making their product or that they were, that the product that they were creating created tremendous poisonous footprint. We've seen that, right, with many companies. Yes. And long-term, you might short-term make your numbers mm -hmm. and it's tempting because of that, you know, and I understand that, but long-term, um, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And we have never lived in a time where there's been greater, what I'll call, um, transparency velocity, mm -hmm. where information, and you and I've talked about this as well offline, Yeah. information is fully distributed now. Um, even, if it, even if it's not true, which is a whole other topic, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of your reputation and managing that, but, but the, the truth does get out eventually and, and then the velocity of that truth. So, so knowing your customer, knowing your impact, um, is really important because it takes, you know, five seconds to make a bad decision and lose that brand value and lose your customers. And, and I think also the next generation of employees, when I, when I'm teaching and guest lecturing at Stanford or UC Berkeley, Husk, my students expect to bring their whole selves to work. And they're coming in with a value system where they, they've rightly or wrongly, they have a, an expectation that they want to make a difference. And, and they're, I don't think we have had a generation maybe since the sixties, perhaps, that really expects um, their company values to actually be in action. Every company has values on the wall, right? Yeah. It's just what's actually, what the unwritten rules are, what's rewarded gets done. So who's getting compensated? Who's getting promoted? That's how employees test whether there's really values in action and whether leaders are walking the talk or not. Yeah. So um, if leaders don't know, I would, I would ask, I would, I, would, I would say, do you know how decisions get made? Is it transparent? If people disagree, that's totally normal. Everyone can't agree in a business, mm -hmm. um, but sharing why and how the decision was made and that you made a thoughtful decision, that can be the most important thing to keeping that customer and employee engagement. I remember our common friend, uh, Alyssa Cohn was talking about the rules can be on the walls, but not in the halls. So before we move on, I'd like to ask people to open a new tab and look up barnardvan.com and take the Promotability Index Questionnaire to learn basically how promotable you are. The links are posted in the YouTube description. And guess what? You can text promote me to 44222, enter your email address, and then the index will be delivered to your inbox. Then you can take the 82 questions and learn more about the areas that you are weak at, the areas you are good at, and what you need to really focus on to become more promotable in the current market. Amy, let's shift gears to your role as a CHRO during your executive years. I'd imagine that this experience shaped your perspective on systems of power and power allocation in organizations. What practical steps you would advise executives to balance power in corporates during time where most of people are working from home? Great question. Um, I think that all organizations always want to look at how are they leveraging all of their talent in the organization. Talent, you know, is is the number one resource and market differentiator that a company has. In addition to, of course, having its 
go-to-market strategy and having a solid business model. And um, But to really execute on your business strategy, you need to, to have all of your employees organized and motivated in a way that gets the work done. And I think you also want people coming to you um, with ideas and innovations. And so the leaders that I coach know how to bring out the best in all of their teams and know how to get that discretionary effort, which is which is the gold that can really make the difference in a pandemic that can be difficult. People have been dealing with depression, with burnout, with no, with mm-hmm. the almost near eradication of personal and professional boundaries that we relied on more than we realized, I think, mm-hmm. to give us breaks, even just you know, the commute to work. I know people who are making a, making fake commutes to work, getting in the car, going around the block and then driving home to mentally reset, which is a fabulous strategy potentially. Actually, other people have meditated or, you know, gone for a walk. Um, but that just, just tells us how under stress, I think we are and how much we relied on, on being together in community to get the work done. Um, and so what I'm advising organizations right now is, you know, I think we've had a flattening of organizations mm-hmm. that's occurred during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We have easier access, but have to make more effort to do it. And so um, leaders that, for example, may not have believed in meeting with their employees one-on-one, which is um, a cardinal mistake in my experience, but particularly in the pandemic, I would suggest that that's exceedingly risky not to do what you and I are doing right now is really having a conversation, checking in, also then having broader team meetings. Um, the good, the, the incredible leaders that I know are really reaching out and they, they know, they've gotten to know if they didn't before, each of their employees' individual working preferences and styles and how much they need. Some people are very happy during the pandemic. I have a daughter who's an introvert and she says she's been waiting all her life for this. Um, she's excelling, she's independently motivated. You just need to tell her what to do and she does it. So you're gonna have a team that has some people like that. Then you're gonna have a team with people like my other daughter who needs engagement, she needs feedback. We have to, you know, we make appointments for what are we gonna do today? You know, it's you kind of to keep her energy up, she needs to be engaged and she needs to feel that connection. So you're gonna have some employees like that, that um, you need to check in with a little bit more, ask them how they're doing. They might appreciate, they might be the kind of person that appreciates you knowing some things about their family, whereas other people may be more private and may not welcome those questions. You have to be a little bit individuated, I think right now to really um, reach people and meet them where they are and and understand that. And I appreciate that not all leaders are all equipped for that and it can be exhausting because leaders have a lot going on personally as well. They may have um, caretaking responsibilities for, for elders or for children. Childcare is you know a cluster right now. Um, so there are tremendous challenges. So I would say empathy and forgiveness for occasional lapses has to be a part of this combined with honesty and, and accountability and some transparency around really what's going on. The best conversations are, I think, around um, Muhammad are around, you know, what are our goals? What's getting in the way? How can I support you with that? And that's going to be individual. Your point about the difference between people who thrive in this environment and people who will not thrive in this environment will lead me to ask you the question about 
from your perspective as an entrepreneur and as executive coach, what challenges you have seen working with teams remotely, given that they are on a big spectrum of different personalities and how you manage that? I think the biggest issue is um, candor and managing productive conflict. Because now that we can't see each other, it can be harder for leaders to intuit when people are really being candid and sharing what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. um, it's harder to read a, read a Zoom room than, mm -hmm. than uh, to be in a room, pass someone in the hallway. You get this little social cues that, that you don't necessarily get um, as easily on Zoom. And so um, there's that. And then not allowing conflict to go underground as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the pressure on leaders to be excellent facilitators, virtual facilitators right now to make sure that they've set up processes to ask everyone their opinions, set up habits. I think we, I think it's always been a good team norm to go around the room before a big decision and say, before I give my opinion, and I always used to do this as an executive, I've stated the, the issue. I would like to hear from everyone, you know, ideally I would have prepped them ahead of time, not just thrown it at them, but isn't always possible. Emergencies come up, you have to be spontaneous and pivot. And so, you know, I go around, what is, what is your idea? And then at the, and then take that in and you just process pretty quickly and just say, okay, here are my thoughts. Now let's talk about it. And then let's come to a decision. So I think good leaders set up a process where they are, because everybody should be on a team for a reason. Otherwise, they're just individuals wasting time in a room. A team is people who are working together to solve an issue, period, right? And so to do that, you should be creating a regular routine and a team norm that you will be called on, you will be asked. Um, and that, I think, and you also have to set an expectation that, that conflict is a healthy thing, even though it can be very uncomfortable the best teams that I know and some of the workshops that I've been doing because teams that weren't managing well um, before the pandemic mm -hmm. and that weren't candid and comfortable disagreeing with each other and debating an issue in a, in a respectful way, but still mm -hmm. in a very candid way are certainly not doing it well now oh, because absolutely. they're just avoiding, oh, I'm sorry, I can't meet right now. I'm busy, you know, right? Um, so you have to follow up and, you, and the leader has to set the example of, I care, I do, I care what you think. And then, and then enough to circle back and say, okay, this is, this is what I've decided we're going to do. And this is why I understand not all of you um, agree with this decision. And I appreciate that you've given your input, but I'm asking for your commitment. Um, Jeff Bezos famously in his shareholder letter um, wrote that on his executive team, you know, he does this, people come in and, and he's famously difficult to work with. So it's not like uh, he's easy. I don't mean to hold on, as a perfect example, has a rule that um, you disagree and then commit. He recognizes that that um, not making a decision is more costly mm -hmm. than, than uh, the cost of upsetting a few people if they didn't get their way. And I think reasonably, most people, we know we're not always gonna get our way in a decision in anything in life, or we should. Um, but being heard and being asked what our opinion is, is really what matters. And if we've had a chance, if we've had, you know, I'll call it due process or had a chance to share, then I think we can be okay with, with fully committing. And so, so those are, I think the productive conflict, um, making people 
helping people come to the realization that, it, that it's the way that innovation happens. That it's the way that moving forward as a team happens is what's critical. And so having that skill on your team is really important. Our audience, if you are enjoying this insight from Amy, please subscribe to the YouTube channel and share the link with other people so that they can benefit from her insight. And don't forget to check her website and get the Promotability Index. Amy, this is a question that I ask every guest on Thrive. We all have setbacks, all of us, where we manage to pick ourselves up and thrive. Would you mind sharing one of yours, say a time of fear of better option, a time of struggle, and how you managed to overcome it? Sure, and thank you. I, I did think about this, but I have, I have several, <laughs> um, as most of us who, who have the privilege of living long enough do. Um, I think one of my big ones that might be helpful to people, given that we're in a pandemic and so many shifts are happening, is um, in the mid-90s, I took a huge leap of faith. It was incredibly terrifying for me. I um, had just graduated from law school at Georgetown, and I came to California to work at a law firm because I had massive student loan debt. So it was the best paying job I could get was going to work for a law firm. And I figured I'd get good experience. And I, I did get some great experience that helps me to this day. I, I did litigation, um, plaintiff and defense, and I did general business and employment law. And it was fantastic. But after th about three years, I was miserable. Oh. I, I was miserable. And I felt like a complete failure. I had this phenomenal law degree with honors and I was miserable and I felt like I should be happy. And so I felt like there was something wrong with me. Literally, I was very lost. I, I, I couldn't figure it out. I, could, I was like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like I, I was an, always an A plus student. I had never taken a break, very hard, hard driving, you know, and then suddenly I came up on this abyss of meaning and of purpose. Um, so luckily I had a very supportive partner and uh, now my husband for over 25 years. And um, I quit my, I quit with no plan. And if you know me, that is nuts. I'm a, the most planful person, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I quit to figure it out. And it was a bad economy. Um, and it was also, I learned very humbling because I hadn't realized how much my ego had been caught up in the trappings of being an attorney. Mm -hmm. And I could no longer say I was, I mean, I was an attorney, but you know, I wasn't you know, doing things. So I did a whole bunch of random interesting things. Um, I helped start a nonprofit for San Francisco Opera. I'm a, I'm a passionate uh, arts fan. I traveled in Asia. I got married, um, traveled and did a bunch of odd jobs and did some career coaching. And it led me to, to realize that what I loved was helping people prevent problems before they happened. And a lot of the litigation experience had been with companies who hadn't treated employees well to begin with, or had mm -hmm. messed up when they were doing a layoff, or who just hadn't treated someone with respect um, and hadn't told them the reason why they had terminated them, perhaps. And it might've been for good, good reasons, but they mm -hmm. hadn't had the courage to be candid with them and to, to respect them and tell them. So I wound up going into HR and loved it. It's a big pay cut at the time. Um, and I had to pay my dues I went from you know being a litigation attorney at a top law firm to um, filling out benefit forms for people who, when we used to when things weren't online, people who were, who were couldn't who were too lazy or couldn't figure it out. You know it was it was interesting, but I cut my teeth on that, and then from there I was able to to hockey stick back up in my career. And um, I'm really grateful that I did that because I I learned early on 
that that my purpose is to be a creator and a thinker and a strategist and to help people lead and inspire change. And, and now that's what I do. I did that as an executive and now I do it as a coach. And I, I love helping to see around corners and helping people plan for healthy workplace cultures because there's so much that's that's avoidable. Um, so many mistakes you can you can avoid if you just are, are thoughtful and, and planful about things. So so that's my lost lost and found story. <laughs> it must have been terrifying to leave a well-paid job to complete uncertainty. Yeah, the one thing I'm grateful about is that I did it at, a, at I did it at the right time, and I couldn't have known that. You don't know these things, um, but you know I I didn't have kids yet. Um, I didn't have a mortgage. Um, it was a perfect time to take a risk. And the other thing that it taught me, which has stayed with me, is that it's okay to do that. That I have, I'm resourceful, and that I'm resilient. And we we are all res more resilient than we ever know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can't see the future. You don't know. Um, but I wound up doing it a couple more times, and I credit that first time with allowing me to give myself permission to get off the hamster wheel and to take a break and that, and that I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And so that enabled me subsequently a couple of other times in my life to take planned, mm -hmm. a little more planful sabbaticals where I, I, you know, designed my departure. Mm -hmm. I, I now could see it's enabled me to see the, um, the growth and change cycles in a, in a career and the momentum that you have. And when, when you have it, when it's peaking and when it's gone and when it's time to leave and that it's not the, that it's not a failure. It's just the life cycle of certain roles and certain jobs. And that's been incredibly powerful for my clients as well as we assess their teams and where they need to be challenging people or, or having conversations, really valuable. And so I would tell anyone to, to just, you know, have that, have that courage and understand that you have that that resilience. True, very, very true. We have a lot of untapped resilience inside us that, yeah. that we are not aware of. Anything you would like to share with your audience on Thrive that you have not shared on any other podcast before? Um, well, the Promotability Index that you mentioned um, mm -hmm. earlier in the part was really popular last year. Mm -hmm. And part of it may have been the pandemic, as we talked about, um, but it really took off. I did a lot of um, master classes and private sessions for companies and associations that I think realized they wanted to reach out and connect with their employees or their association members and give them something to help their career because people were very concerned financially. A lot of people have had significant impacts mm -hmm. to their, their personal finances and their careers. And so it's always a good time to work on your career, but particularly in a pandemic when it's been so unsettling and painful for many there's been anxiety that's not in our control. So um, the PI gives people a focus and it gives them on uh, a focus on what they can control. So all that said, um, I have found that my clients were telling me that they wanted more. They were like, oh, this is so great. So what else do you have? And I was like, what do you mean? What, what else do I have? I, like, I gave you the assessment, just go do it. Like everything that mm -hmm. you didn't check on there, just just like do it. And they're like, no, no, we need, we need more. So I, I kept hearing this and then a friend of mine who's a, an SVP at a bank said, you need to create a guidebook. You need to create a book mm -hmm. that like gives people, she said, you have it all in your head. You think it's easy, but it's not, 
so just just like doing you know create something so she literally had to she drove over and dropped off at my house on my doorstep some workbook she's like you could create a great one so i'm create so i'm launching a book my very first book um around <laughs> thank you so that's been another whole learning curve um and we're I'm piloting it with um, some of my clients um next month so we're i'm close to a final edit on it so i'm excited about that and i hope it will be very helpful to people especially during this time um, it'll have ex very practical exercises over 30 exercises we have right now and resources walking people through once they've got their results then they can look in the book and decide okay i want to work on executive presence i know I, I can do better presentations or i need to i've gotten some feedback i need to understand better how i'm how my behavior is impacting others and i need to shore up my influencing skills that kind of thing um so it, it'll give people options for, for all of that so that's exciting oh that is really exciting what a pleasure to have you on thrive baby thank you and for people watching this episode of thrive if you are enjoying my conversation with amy please subscribe to the channel share the link on your social media so that others could benefit from her great insight Remember to take the Promotability Index Survey on Amy's website at bernardbond.com, one word, until we meet next week. Keep safe, keep resilient, keep motivated, and see you in the next episode of Thrive. Thank you.